I'm Cameron Strang, and welcome to Unedited. Carl Lentz is the pastor of Hillsong, New York City. He's outspoken, passionate, stylish, and probably because he's outspoken, passionate, and stylish, is no stranger to criticism. He's known for loving Jesus and wearing cool leather jackets. He pastors celebrities like Justin and Haley Bieber and countless NBA players. He's competitive, talks smack about basketball, which I know annoyingly firsthand, and wants to win the entire world for Jesus. He's also my friend. This past year, Carl released his book, Own the Moment, and the ensuing promotional tour got him on a ton of high-profile media outlets. When he was a guest on The View, however, the conversation got a little dicey when co-host Joy Behar, who's made some controversial anti-Christian comments over the years, asked him some pointed questions about abortion. Carl deflected the question, uh, trying to steer the conversation in a more positive direction instead of getting into a back and forth with someone who clearly disagreed with a lot of his beliefs. But Carl, not clearly giving his views on abortion on a national TV show, fueled a ton of his own critics, saying that he represented a trend in Christianity that's compromised clear convictions to be more liked by unbelievers. The day after the episode of The View aired, Carl addressed the critics directly, releasing a statement saying he does believe abortion is a sin. Well, that day, Carl and I were both in L.A., and he wanted to get some things off his chest. So I headed over to his hotel with the recorder, and we sat down on the patio to record the conversation you're about to hear. We talk about The View, the pressure of representing the church in mainstream culture, dealing with critics, his views on pro-life things, racism, justice, grace, and truth. You might hear a third voice during the conversation. My friend and rapper Propaganda was with me, though he mainly sits back because we were taping the interview with Carl. He joined in after we hit stop. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Carl Lenz, unedited. You're like getting into this level. I mean, Oprah interviews and national exposure in a way that like in old school, maybe Rick Warren would have or, or Billy Graham would have. And now all of a sudden you're like representing the church mm. in circles that a church isn't normally in. And they have issues with a lot of Christian theology. And so they want to get you. I mean, I remember right before Hillsong Conference three years ago I think it's a press conference promoting it like some journalist was trying to get Brian about yeah. uh, homosexuality yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't there for that kind of stumbled over what he was saying a little bit right. and the press had a heyday with it and then all of a sudden you go on The View to talk about your book and she wants to get you about this other issue yeah. and you know it almost seemed like you weren't like ready for it or expecting that and really were like I'm here for another reason but what are your yeah. thoughts like? Like now, all of a sudden, like they want you. What you say represents the church in that world now. Do you feel that pressure when you're in those interviews? I I, I treat it with reverence. I think that I am way less fly by the seat of my pants as people might even think or whatever. I, I think I'm, co- I'm I'm cool in that space. I'm I'm happy to be able to give our our church some some language and some voice that hasn't been said yet. I think I went in with this chapter of interviews going, I'm going to speak a lot more clearly on things that maybe in the past we've willfully chosen to go, you know what, let's keep the conversation moving, and particularly about abortion. And I went in there prepared to, because I knew that's what they are going to say. And, you really and did? You knew that they were going to? 100%, without a doubt, because I know that's the, that's the way the view goes. No matter what, I represent a pastor, and I know a couple of the hosts had no idea who we were. Sure expected me to be somebody different and I just felt like I wanted to go on there and state the whole time like our like the Bible is our compass don't blame us blame the Bible you know point people to it and I was going to talk about Psalm 139 because she said well, how do you feel about homosexual marriage how do you feel about abortion and and then before I could even say anything this other host jumps in and immediately asked me a question so about something so specific and I knew here's my question for I guess Christendom that listens to what we're saying if you're talking about something in a different language who cares what you know so if someone speaks French and I'm speaking Spanish 
I don't think you're winning. So the, the host who asked me the question is not a Christian, doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe what we believe. And she asked me about sin. So I felt like a higher question would be, let's talk about who Jesus is first before we go there. And for me, I didn't see any, um, any way out of that conversation being, I guess, effective other than doing that because she wanted a particular answer so she could then take the rest of the time and kind of do what they normally do, which is be pro-choice and pro-whatever. And I just felt like the best thing I could do in the moment was point to Jesus. So that's always where I want to go anyway. But people took issue with the fact that she said, is abortion sin? If I go to your church, I have an abortion. Is it sin? My answer was, before I tell you about what I think sin is, I would like to know your name. Hmm. I still stand by that. I'm still going to do that. Like, and I'm, doesn't mean I'm not going to get to the truth. Doesn't mean that I don't have anything to say. It just means my point is, you want to go there. Before we do that, it's my right as a human to say, what's your name? Where are you from? How did you get an abortion? Who's the other factor in this? Where were you raised? Just so it'll help me be more effective. And a lot of Christians that don't know who we are say things like, you're a coward. And, you know, truth is truth. And you need to speak out. And I just say... I think me and you, first of all, might know a different Jesus. I think my context of knowing who Jesus is is very efficient with what he said. And to me, I don't know who I'm appeasing by saying, you know, the answer she wants. I think I did what I would always do was try to get to know a person. So, yeah, that was to me. I'm going in there with the intent of pointing to Jesus and hopefully speaking a language the world can understand. Because if you're a pastor and you go on a show people think you're going to do a couple different things. I, I'm, I'm more interested in the game. You know, how's this going to go? How are people going to feel? What do they need to hear? And I like, I like being in that spot of unpredictability. If you had to do the view all over again, would you have done it the same way? I don't know. I don't know. I think um, everyone's, I, I learned from that one like I do always. I think I would probably go directly to Psalm 139 and say, I don't want to talk about abortion first. I want to talk about life. This is who I believe God to be. We believe that this psalm right here starts to point to how good he is, when life begins, what matters, how precious human beings are, and go from that angle. So I think that's, that's what I was trying to do. I didn't get a chance to get there, and I got to let the chips fall where they were. Did you catch, I know you caught flack in certain media circles after that, but did you catch flack from like, your church leaders and and I mean was this an issue never for your ministry never I think that the reason why I made a, a clarification on it was because of what you said earlier I do know that we represent you know for a lot of people a voice and I my concern wasn't the mean pseudo Christians that have an axe to grind and want to call us on semantics my concern was a very genuine sweet person who's going do we not believe this is sin Oh my gosh, you know, that that's why I wanted to make sure it was clear. Yeah. Good, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like the the people that took issue with it, um, I I got an issue with them. You know, and there are some genuine people. It's a fair call. If I go to Hillsong, New York City, my pastor goes on TV and says doesn't answer a question about um, abortion, it's totally fair to ask what I was doing and what yeah. I was saying. But to me, it's the tone, it's the tenor, it's the fruit of our lives. Sure. Anybody who knows us knows that we're going to stand on God's word, but right. we're really compassionate and interested in the person. And I don't think you're winning anything by doing what these, and, and I don't, I don't want to stereotype everybody took issue with it, but it seems like a lot of these people were so interested in getting their opinion out yeah. above all else. I just don't think that we're, our faith is that insecure. I don't think that this is... This is that type of moment. Yeah. Do you uh, do you feel the pressure of being the next Rick Warren? Do you when you? I mean, because that's the. I mean, listen, you're in your upper thirties. You're not young anymore. I man. turned thirty nine yesterday. Come on now. Shout out to myself. <laughs> Happy birthday. You know, like I mean, you're now hitting that 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 point in your ministry and your leadership and. You're now like I, I was thinking about that when I was driving down here. It was like I feel, you know, I know you and I know how brash you are and how competitive you are and how loudmouth you are sometimes. Yep. And now all of a sudden you're in a role 
you're representing the Hillsong Global Ministry. Yeah. You're now representing Jesus and some, you know, to people who would never encounter a pastor otherwise. Mm. And you're in circles that like you aren't normally. Carl Lentz has not normally been there. And all of a sudden, like, do you like I, I don't know how I would respond in those circles where it's like you know that what? pressure of like you're not speaking for yourself anymore. You're speaking for yeah, I tell a you movement. What, that's a really good way to phrase it. I don't consider myself that type of figurehead but I do understand but you're becoming that I understand that God's using different people and I and you know people like us and you and and prop and there's different people that God he chooses to promote and it is what it is but my reaction I was excited about because I do think I need to continue to carry this with reverence so the stuff I use when you say brash I say quick-witted you know when people say competitive I just say you know just just live it but in the past like so for instance I got called a coward more times yesterday than I have in my entire life put together. Yeah. In the past, I probably would have said different things. And my response wasn't, I didn't even care about that. My, my compassion and my concern was for anybody who loves Jesus and they look to our church, I want to make sure they're all right. I didn't even think about these people who are, people are making fun of my clothes. And this is no offense to people who live in different parts of the country, but these people are not like fashionistas, right? So right. there's people who are like, look at you and your grandma glasses, you coward, you skinny jeans. I'm going, a couple of years ago, I would have called one of the IT guys to track the guy down and been like, hey, <laughs> not so skinny. You know, these glasses, they can come off. You know, like I, but that, that part of me, I, I feel like by the grace of God, I don't, I don't want to be that. I'd rather take shots actually cut that I don't need that heat right now I, sh- I take criticism <laughs> and and handle it with grace so we can reach more people I think it comes with territory and I don't feel pressure at all I feel excited and I feel reverence because I know that there's a change coming God's opening doors that are going to frustrate people it frustrates people that a Hillsong church guy is getting opportunity to speak it frustrates them and my my my, I'm, I want to. I want to be, you know, found to be faithful. It frustrates people that different things are being elevated, and I'm cool with that. I want to handle it well. Do, do you have? I know, obviously, Pastor Brian and and other leaders that speak into your life regularly. Do you have like older generation mentors that impart wisdom to you? Yeah, I think that I would access that. I mean, almost every day of my life, especially if I'm going into interviews or a media thing, I got people praying for me. I've thought about what's the most important thing right now that I need to be thinking about. I never go in with a set thing of stuff to say, but I definitely have a, you know what, I want want to hit this theme. And I would definitely get wisdom from men that are much more seasoned in this than I am, men that I trust. Often they don't always agree with the things that I say or stand for, but they love me. So I feel like I have a, an awesome reservoir of wisdom to draw from where if I make a really bad mistake it's on me it's not because people didn't tell me uh, Pastor Rick or Warren told me once so I was asking him how do you deal with like critics you know you're talking about how you yeah. read thousands of yeah tweets yesterday I mean that's crazy number one that you even yeah. look at that stuff. oh I didn't look at all of them but yeah, I, I but just the general vibe is I was like wow this is pretty heavy well that's what's funny with you and social media over the years I mean you kind of come and go in your social media yeah. usage because like I've seen you under one of your posts go you know there'll be a, you always get a million comments you like one of them will stand out and I'll you'll go, go at in. it with the yeah. guy and like, and then you had to like, okay, I can't, I yeah. can't do that anymore. And then you like shut it down I, for I a just, while. I, I, I feel like my, my spirit is a really good gauge sometimes of whether I'm doing this for the right reasons. Now, yeah. I will only do that if I know I'm going to get a win in public. So if you come on this page and you say something stupid, I'm not going to attack you. I'm going to use you. Mm. So you become an immediate part of my illustration. If I'm not going to use it for that, I just pray for people and just keep it moving because... It's a total waste of time. And well, I don't, well, like the stuff about yesterday, though, like like Pastor Rick told me once, he said, he said, you know, pigs, you know, like want to wrestle in the mud. Because that's their turf. Yeah. And only, you know, one of you is going to enjoy gonna it. Win, you know, yeah. like, you know, like yeah. they want to pull you down to their level and get you to respond back. And it's almost like I'm, I'm wondering if like knowing how competitive you are and you want to set yep. ang- set stupid people straight you know yeah. and teach them the right you know like is it possible to like turn a blind eye to the people who are trying to like 
you know get get you going and I think I think one of my strengths I think though is knowing the pulse of controversy okay. knowing the culture so I feel like to remove myself from that to be the guy who has no follows no one but has a you know X amount of followers like to me I learned so much from critics from people who are struggling for people who don't get us that I feel like I don't ever want to cut that part of me off because that's how I research I think you know what's the view why does this person have this view that's always my number one rule with criticism is to make sure it's not true right and then figure out where it's coming from and then I'll do with it what I will but yeah I, I want to stay in touch with people I don't want to become a professional Christian I yeah. don't want to cut my cut my soul off because I think God is is graceful enough to be able to have you be in it and not let it affect you to the point where it's gripping your spirit. I mean, there are hard nights. I don't like, I never, never, ever want to get to the point where I don't feel it. And I don't care if it's something stupid or something serious like the other night. Like, it's a heavy thing for to have people accuse your entire church of horrible things because of a, a soundbite, even though you have years of equity. I've been quoted in other articles loudly talking about abortion killed for it had people leave our church because I called out the parent Planned Parenthood videos um, been clear on record in this one moment where I choose and this what if God just led me not to say anything like who who are these Christians that think that we are under some demanding premise that we have to do what they think we should do and to me that's the I, I just I want to stay true to who God's called us to be and you know it's not easy is it is it hard? Like again, I've never been in that situation. Okay, I've never been in the situation where I'm sitting across, on cameras in front of us, sitting at a table with people. Unless you're on a highlight of the Orlando Magic game, okay. hyped up after a dunk, no, and that, everyone that, saw. It. That's actually true. That, I'm on many of those. Um, the uh, where the person sitting next to me, you know, wants to get me, yep. disagrees with me. They want to, you know, get me on camera, and then you know, like. You know, because it would have been easy when she says this is abortion sin for you to say, yes, I believe we are made in the image of God. I believe the Bible points to the fact that Jesus cares about life and human dignity. Mm. Right. And that we as Christians should follow that example and that we should stand for life and human dignity and, and in all of its forms. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think abortion is right. Just like I don't think unjust wars right, right. Or, or poverty is right or these are all life issues to me and they're all connected and I think Jesus cares about all of them and then like try to get out of that yeah. conversation really fast you know like I don't know that like I could be looking her in the eye and say that in hindsight I would go well why didn't he just say that yeah, you, know, yeah. you know but like but I don't you know the human side of me goes my friend Carl is sitting there in a situation where I don't know how I would have done on face value the reason why I was so open to hear what people had to say because I could have answered it like that and maybe that would have been better I'm not saying I was necessarily right but I am saying I'm not going to second guess sometimes my gut because even if I gave the best answer in the world somebody would have been upset with it yeah and, and God uses what he uses so I've, I, I feel like I hear the people who said that they're not wrong but I'm not wrong either and that's what that was my point um, was I think I just the quick the quick trigger on people to just look to pounce I think it's your right to have an opinion, but you can't question my motive and you can't question my heart. I think that's God's job and it frustrates me. And the other thing that I, th I found interesting was that people didn't understand what I meant by conviction. And again, these people, I don't know if they want to be reached. I don't know if they're open to learning. But I said, people have to live to their own convictions. We believe at our church, if you get to know Jesus, you build your own convictions. He is your conviction. A conviction is a tightly held, firm belief that will not be relented upon. So my point was, people have to live their own convictions. I can't tell you how to live. I can show you Jesus, teach you about what sin is and what grace is and what holiness is. Now it's your conviction. Jesus said, pick up your cross, right? And people are like, oh, live to your own convictions. That's what the gunman did in Texas. That's what somebody told me. Oh, my gosh. I went, no, what he did was embrace his amendment rights. Let's not, I mean, it's literally, that, that's how quick the leaps were on my Twitter. Like, oh, great, great teaching. That's exactly what, then I went, wow. So you don't understand the word conviction hmm. from our frame of reference. And that was my point with that particular host on that show. She's not a Christian. She doesn't know what I believe sin is. I don't know what she believes sin is. So it would make sense to me before I answer her question to ask her the frame of reference that her question was coming from. So that was my mindset with it. But people aren't wrong to say, why didn't you just say that? I hear you. 
And my only thing is, number one, I'm human and I'm trying to work it out on the fly. And number two, God uses what we do if our heart's right and pure and I'll do it again and I'll do it different next time. Who knows? It's it's unpres- it's like uncharted waters, you know? Like, like I, I think about like guys like Rick, Pastor Rick, who yeah. to me is like the example of like steady, you know, like never had a controversy in his life. Yeah. You know, like just like yeah. rock solid and... I remember back in um, 08, yeah, when Obama was first running for office, the DNC, the Obama campaign reached out and invited me to give the uh, benediction at the inauguration. Yeah. The day was, not inauguration, I'm sorry, when he was nominated and um, at the DNC. And I'm a, they knew I was a pro-life Republican at that time, you know, like, right. and, and proudly. And, and I thought, and I said yes as a bridge building thing, you know. Like, what an example, you know, that we can set, that this generation can be bipartisan. We can find common good that we can stand for and we can do this differently. Man, I got annihilated. Yeah. I mean, left and right. And I'm not, I never, I'm not a public figure like you are. I mean, my mom and dad were <laughs> leading national prayer groups and having leaders calling me to like, it was, it was awful. Almost like an intervention for you. It was you bad. have gone Rob Bell. <laughs> Shout out to Rob Bell. And, uh, and, and, and I, I got that a few times today. Pastor Rick reached out to me <clears throat> that day, or the day he reached out to me, he was hosting Obama and McCain at his church. Yeah. And he said, he sent me this super long email. And he said, tonight I'm doing this live thing on CNN with these candidates. And, and I woke up praying for you. And he said, wow. Um, he said, I'm not going to tell you what to do or whatever. I just want to tell you this. He said, one day, I believe that you could be doing what I'm doing tonight. But if you get co-opted by politics, they will use you, chew you up, spit you out, yeah. and you'll lose all credibility. Yeah. And, 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 and he said, my prayer for you is that you would be able to stay above the fray mm. so that, you know, like in time, your, your voice can... And I'm like, that was the only thing that I heard that I listened to, almost out of spite for wow. all my conservative parent friends. And they were all, whatever. I almost out of spite wanted to show them, like, I'm right. not like you and I'm yeah. going to do it anyway. But then Pastor Rick, like, stay above the fray. What like, they will chew you up, spit you out. And I'm yeah. going, oh my God. You know, and so then I, I actually ended up passing on it because of Pastor Rick's, you know, input in my life. And, and I just like, you know, now all of a sudden we're like, we're like putting, we're in a different season now. Mm-hmm. Like now, like people are looking to you yeah. in those situations and you're, and this is my two cents or observation of you and your ministry. You're, you're an evangelist. You're a teacher. You're a preacher. You want to win people to Jesus and you don't want to get in. You don't like you, the stream is going. You don't want rocks <laughs> and stones in that stream. You want a pure flow. You know, yeah. let's get the debris out of the way. Let's talk yeah. about Jesus. And like, but the world wants to get you on all these other issues. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not interested in picking fights. Well, I'll find uh, what I found interesting as well is that um, nobody wanted to talk about what we did talk about, <laughs> which was racism. Right. So it's like, it's so this this African American host on the View immediately hopped in and said what she wanted to say which was thank you for speaking out on this right not even a mention right from these people because that's their thing and my whole even with us some some people are almost like racism they have premeditated their hate for what we do no matter what we do right it's a loss and i i thought it was very interesting and telling to me that they're like yeah racism is a sin and all but the abortion you should have talked about that so i mean I understand, and I'm passionate about, you know, what's going on in New York City especially, and I think there's a lot deeper issue. I think there's so much hypocrisy. If I opened up the abortion thing right there, so people don't know, there's a clock to my left. I know they had seven topics, so I had to make a split-second decision. If I go here, she's going to go here. If I go here, there might be some more room to breathe and we can keep moving, and and that worked because I took the vitriol from her by saying... Is it an open shut case? Well, I said, I don't know. Because yes and no. You know, and I just, I found it really interesting that people love their issue. They love their pet thing. And I, I want to broaden the conversation so badly, you know, do whatever it takes. I think you could, you, 
again, hindsight's 2020. You know, to me, like, there's a direct connection between abortion and racism. They're both <laughs> life issues. You're going to get in trouble yourself. That's just gonna be, no, listen, you right now. Listen, you just go like, listen, oh, I mean, I'm pro-life. I believe we're, God has a plan and purpose for all of our lives. I believe we're made in the image of God. I'm pro-life. Um, yeah, I don't want to see babies aborted and their plan and purpose being cut short. Right. Like, I don't want to see injustice and racism because, you know, you know I think kind of connected it. Well, worse, though, is that people cannot see their hypocrisy. So you have someone saying to me, you won't stand up for abortion. And I'm going, yeah, but you are cheering your right to have your AR-15. Yeah, and you just now. tweeted that if someone hits your front lawn, you're going to kill them. Right. Your issue is murder, right? Right. But you've justified this. Right. And you have vilified this. Right. I never how is this not a conversation? I never understood how conservative Christians who are anti-abortion, pro-life, pro-war, are, pro-death, are pro-gun. pro-death penalty, yeah. pro-guns, pro It's, it's never talked about because people aren't very, they're not very smart and people don't want to deal with that. People so, don't want so, to confront that. So back to 08, not to make it about me at all, but back to 08, the reason why I was having a conversation with the Obama campaign was because... Because of Rick Warren, I went to Rwanda and, and Uganda and Kenya with him for a couple weeks that summer. And my justice, my understanding of justice from a Christ standpoint was rapidly evolving that year. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I saw and was learning things that I hadn't really dealt with or learned before. And, and all of a sudden, my pro-life ethic that I grew up with, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden I'm realizing that Poverty is a life issue. Uh, preventable disease is a life issue. Mm-hmm. Climate change is a life issue because the poorest of the poor are the most affected by pollution. There's climate refugees, um, unjust war and violence, mm. trafficking. The All standing that. up for the for for the innocent, whether that be in the womb or child trafficking, or you know, like yeah. these are all life issues yeah and if you were to define pro-life with those five buckets let's say violence preventable disease poverty creation care and then innocence those five buckets republicans are actually pro-life in one of those buckets and democrats are actually pro-life in four of them yeah and all of a sudden i'm going why aren't we as christians having this conversation that we should be straddling the aisle and having a conversation on both sides we should have a relationship with the democratic candidate and the republican candidate and why can't we do this make it too much sense (laughs) let me make a really extended basketball wordplay here so please do when you don't understand when you when you don't when you're like don't understand the NBA and you're far away from it, you see organizations make decisions like, and you're like, I just don't know. They must know something I don't know. Closer you get to the NBA, you're like, no, people are just bad leaders. <laughs> They're stupid. Yeah, you, yeah, you've told me some stories so, about general managers. I'm like, how 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 do you and I not run a team? It's the same thing with politics. It's the same thing with church. And what you're seeing now is people are growing up quicker. So you're seeing players go. Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to sign an extension because you win. I'm going to go switch teams. What you're seeing now are different types of people showing up going, this is stupid. Like, this is a God's candidate. How can he be God's candidate? Right. And now culture starting to shift a little bit because people are starting to figure out, oh, no, because it used to be that men of God must know. Big politicians must know. I just can't. Now people are starting to go, no, actually, I, I refuse to accept this illogical premise that you can be this and that. Like, it's either from the womb to the tomb, pro-life, or it's not. Like, so if your issue is abortion, killing babies, say that. But don't say you're pro-life. Right. Don't say that, because you're obviously not pro-life. You just said how you believe that the death penalty is real, and we should go bomb Syria, and we should go. So just please be clear. And we can't figure out why the world's looking at the church going. So that's why I didn't want to give fuel to some of these old rhythm speech things and additionally same thing with the bible like i i don't understand i'm praying for the day we can move the conversation forward with application there has we have to reach people a different way it's not working our stance on abortion right now it's not working right there are more babies being aborted now than there have ever been so people are saying to us you need to do this and that why it hasn't what if my way is going to work and it has it has worked and that's what people will never know because I'm not going to sit up there and go with my scoreboard if I know my fruit I know what I'm doing here and 
But I just, I do believe that God is, is changing the seasons and the way we stand on truth is going to look a lot different. The, the interesting thing, though, is that there's not many church leaders sticking their neck out. There are a few. Uh, Beth Moore, who would have been, you know, very much in the conservative Texas evangelical sure. kind of side of things, has started like speaking out about racial injustice, violence, speaking out against or at least the hypocrisy right. of the Christian support of President Trump. She said that she's lost 30% of her following. Yep. 30%. Yep. And it's like... Yeah, it's called sacrifice. The other day, yesterday... I lost um, 30% of my sleep the other night. You know, small trade-off. Uh, yesterday, one of the reporters from the Washington Post hit me up and I talked about San Antonio and said, why is it, you know, you know that world, why is it that the largest group of people that support the no change to gun laws like none is white evangelical Christians yep. like literally every other demographic category is open to some change something's got to give here and the staunchest opponents of it are Christians why yeah. yep and I mean the only thing I could think of is the old mindset my reply to her was it's one of two things. One, if you, you know, some have the mindset of liberty, you know, religious liberty. So any governmental restrictions on liberty is a slippery slope toward ultimately removing religious liberty. That'd be right. one side. Another uh, opposition I would think would be that they are so anti-abortion, pro-life, anti-abortion, that Republican ticket, that giving any win to the liberal agenda right. is a slippery slope toward the liberals winning and then therefore abortion rights or, you know, you're yeah. not anti-abortion anymore. Yeah. Like, is that, that's the only thing I can justify, but it makes yeah. no sense theologically, it makes no sense for Christians None. to be supporting something that by every, every measure is taking innocent lives. Hey bro, I, I don't understand why. I guess I do understand why people get entrenched in their beliefs, but I, I might have even been prop who I was talking to, and we're like interracial dating. And there's always those funny movies where the, the dads run out of reasons, and he's like, You just can't date him because he's black. And the daughter's like, Well, I love him, right? And the guy just, he, it comes down to him just being completely racist, right? <laughs> There are some things that people just refuse to look up about. And that's what I felt during that very little, by the way, little. Like, I clarified a statement for the good of the sweet people involved, but I wasn't worried about these little, this voice of the minorities. that They, they call themselves truth warriors, and I think it's the opposite. I think that they're entrenched in something that it has become a bondage. And I think times are changing, bro. I think that we're going to win this fight, and we are. And that's what makes people even matter. Like, you, you know, you have to continue to say, God, open up my eyes, help me reach more people, because um, we're losing people. But what, what, what do you say to the old school church, our, our parents, just who, would say, who would say, no, that's compromise. You're compromising the gospel. You're saying we're going to win, it's going to be different. Yep. And they're saying, no, 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 it's compromise, and that's bad. Well, I, I, would ha I have to challenge people to redefine what they think some of these big concepts are because for instance someone said to us like you guys have to be watering down the truth because you know the world likes you and Jesus said you know the world should hate you and I often say you know that that's a mistranslation the world you're talking about people in the world that word world that's the systems that's the principles that's the protocols the people that's who God came to love. So you're, it's an easy out for a pastor to look at our church and go, oh, well, look at, look at how big their church is. You, that's how you know right away. Because if we're right, he's failing. Mm -hmm. So he's got to make up something. There's no way you can be preaching the good news of the gospel. Think about that. And have people come in and listen and get saved. No way. I'm preaching the real truth over here in Texas. That's why we got 40 people. We're always going to have 40 people because we preach the real truth. You and your skinny jeans and your grandma glasses over there and your little fruity walk. That's a good that's, impression. That's why you, you're reaching people because you compromise the gospel. Or the good news of the grace of God sets people free mm. in droves. But it's much easier 
to say we're doing something wrong than to actually look in your own life and say, wait a minute, maybe, maybe not. Because that's the, the dead giveaway with us is when people say, Carl, you're, you know, and they'll, they'll liken me to another minister that I won't even put in this because I love this man. They'll say, you're like this guy who's known for being smiley and saying nice things. And I say, <laughs> well, number one, I like that guy. Number two, have you ever heard us preach? You guys are soft on sin. You've never been to our church. No. And I say to them, you're soft on Jesus. That's your problem. So we're not soft on sin, but we actually tell it uh, the way it is, which is you're a sinner, you're in trouble, but how good is God? It's tone, it's spirit. And so I've had great conversations with people that are, are my elders who are genuinely trying to figure us out. They're going, how is this not like the world? Hmm. How is this not compromised? Well, here's why. That's all I expect from anybody is a conversation. I got. I hope you've read that chapter in my book about, uh, it's called, If You're Racist and You Know It, Clap Your Hands. The whole point of that chapter is to get people to just say, might I be? I'm not saying you're a racist. Might you be? Because when you talk racism, I'm not racist. Or uh, you are a racist, right? Especially for white people, non-minorities in, in America. Just check, just check your file. Just go through it bit by bit and just see if there could have been something planted in it. That's all I'm asking you to do. And I think when we get that kind of rhythm as a Christian community, we're going to take ground. You know, you know you're wrong. This is what First Timothy says. Well, I disagree. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, can we talk about this? And that to me is, is why some people are completely ineffective. Right there. Being entrenched in a wrong belief system. So you're talking about how things are changing. What's your hope for the church? What do you see? Where are we going? Where, how, do, how does this change? Where, what's around the corner? Like, what's the hope? <sighs> Well, I think the grace of God is what changes culture. And some some person said to me recently, they're like, you have to preach grace and truth. I said, no, Jesus is grace and truth. There is no, there's no, he is, Jesus was grace with skin on. Like, I love how people start making these, these separations. But I think we're going to keep doing what we're doing. And if you know who you are and you know what you believe, I, I don't want to fall victim into fighting with people who it's not my fight. That's what it would look like if I were to answer every Twitter warrior troll. That to me slows down the gospel. I have to be secure enough and compassionate enough to have love for these people as well. That's my challenge. I'm getting way better at it. Like I don't look at the guy with his his Oakleys and his camouflage hat and then look at you, you city slicker in your tight jeans. I don't look at him anymore and go, look at you. Your hat sucks, you know? <laughs> and you would never say that if you saw me. I don't say that anymore. I look at him and I go, God, I hope you open up his eyes because he's losing. I'm not losing. He's missing out. So I think we need to take ground with um, with aggression, but we need to do it with compassion. So you want to talk about abortion? Well, let's talk about identity. Yeah. Because if you get this right, maybe you don't end up in that spot. Like Laura and I sat down with a girl we love who was devastated. You know, she she came to us and said, what should I do? And we told her, we will, we will, we will pay for this child. You know, we will support you forever. And the agony, yeah. she knows she was walking through God's will, right? She knows that. And I think, um, I just, I just don't want to be, and Louis Giglio, same thing. Some of these older guys have told me, don't get put in a corner. Take the, take the initial heat. And to me, I hated doing what even I had to do. But what's funny to me though, bro, is that there were, there were a couple, there's all three Christian women, one that wasn't, and I think we totally won. I was on national television mm-hmm. talking about the good news of the grace of God yeah. is that he set the people free. And I got to talk about uh, some other things. Yeah. But that to me is the problem. It's like we can't, we can't ever join together and get a, get a collective win. And it is what it is. I just, I keep telling people, watch this space respectfully because we're going to still be in there. A couple years ago, I did a Katie Kirk interview and I, I didn't answer a direct question. People were so mad at me and I said, watch, bet you I come back on. So you want me to say it now, but I got bigger plans. I feel like God's got bigger plans, right? A couple, couple years later, I was on a different couch talking to it and, and that wasn't, you know, good enough for people. And I say the same thing now. It's like, cool, maybe someday we'll be a producer at The View and we'll run the show. But if you play the game the way it's always been played, you get the same result. And we're just under no obligation to kind of be in those seats. Like I'm with, I'm with you on shows though. Like I never feel pressure from host. 
yeah. people are always like you're worried i'm like i'm i'm gonna do what i want to do like i there you don't i don't owe you answers no. it's, it, you look bad and the, this host in particular she lost all her vitriol because she thought she didn't do her homework she was lazy she thought i was a white evangelical trump supporting violating church and state so that she was going at she's like you can't use your pulpit to endorse uh candidates i'm like i know you're right totally she's like um well, but people do it. I'm like, I know we don't. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and she started to go. That's why she goes. So it's, it's, love, she goes, abortion? Abortion is not an open and shut case with you? I'm like, ah, oh, some would say it is. And she had nowhere to go. She was silent. And she got up in a huff afterwards. Yeah. And the other two hosts came up and they said, uh, we haven't seen her shut down like that in a while. <laughs> and Whoopi didn't come on that segment. She was waiting with a camera because her six foot four very gay hairdresser goes to our church desperately wanted a photo hands it to Whoopi Whoopi takes a photo thank you so much creating a place for my like we're winning in spades but I gotta I gotta you know if I gotta take heat for my right as a Christian pastor which is to what if God told me not to answer the question anybody ever thought of that it's like you know you have to you gotta answer this question so it's uh once I get through the heartache of being misunderstood, which still racks me, and I think that's just part of who who I am and the way God's created me, it, it gets me. Laura knows she five hours, my birthday on top of it, like I lost the whole day dealing with some other stuff too. But I don't think I ever want that to go. I could never be a pastor because of what you just said. Like I'm really sensitive. Yeah, and so like we share that. Yeah, that's and why so like. So- like close the fact that like somebody would leave the church I would take that personally like if I was better, I take it personally every time like I couldn't handle it man how do you how do you handle it well I confront everyone I can <laughs> like whenever whenever anyone says to me you know we're leaving the church we love you and I'm going no we, I'm the pastor it doesn't work now so cool like I, I I do think that God wants us to, I think there's, Brian Houston, my pastor, said something so awesome. I never heard, do you know where the word passion comes from? The Latin word pain. Never knew that. I should have known that. I got 19 degrees. I don't have it. I have two. Um, to me, that's, that's everything. I'm like, it made sense when he said that. I think the pain is the same mechanism as the passion. Hmm. So the same reason I'm going after the one same reason it hurts when we lose one. And so I never leave Hillsong Church on a Sunday like, man, look how great our numbers were. I'm always conscious of my 10 friends that I invited, the two that came, the three that wouldn't come in the door, and the two that didn't get back to me. Yeah. It's all I'm consumed with. And I don't know if I ever want that to not be the case. Right. Ever. Wow. I, I admire it, man. I can't. That's why Bill Simmons is awesome, though, bro. He always hated people criticizing him. And he always stayed in that in that rhythm of... And, and you believed him. I mean, too, I mean, the whole reason why he got camped from ESPN was like, basically, he was calling out, stating his conviction, calling out Roger Goodell. They tried to tell him, don't do that. And he's like, no, I'm a journalist. I, like, I have to be true. Yeah. Ironically, the same day I was getting killed for that interview, Bill Simmons at the end of the, the BS podcast. Do you know Bill? You I familiar? big time you know guy if you're into sports blogs he goes uh we had the best time It was my favorite interview i've ever done and he goes uh well go talk then do your thing do your faith thing you guys all my listeners know i hate this but go i want to hear you i mean you have convinced me this past hour go just whatever you want to go and i just started just if he, about, hates, if he hates that stuff, why did he invite you on? That's How do what you know I told you? him. I said, you don't hate it. I said, you hate religion. Okay. And why we get along is because I'm a part of a faith that has tried to deconstruct all the stuff that has kept you out your whole life. He could, because the last time we met, I broke down for him what he was. He's a universalist. So he's like, what am I? Tell everybody. You told me last time you were here. I'm a what? I'm like, oh, you're, you're a universalist. And he's like, what did you tell me? I was like, I said, you're too smart to be a universalist. Because you, what you told me is that all roads lead somewhere and everything's equal. This is illogical. The God of uh, uh, my Muslim friend is not my God. The God of my Baha, Indian, whatever, these are, it's nonsensical. And you being a genius, it is incongruent with the rest of your life. And he was like, yeah, where does that leave me? I'm like, good place to end the pod. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, it was special though. But see, I'm, so I'm sitting on this giant podcast with three minutes to talk about Jesus. 
you can't you can't make that stuff up. That, and that yeah, that's crazy. But that's had crazy. I had I eight five years ago, Katie Couric's been like homosexuality is this, gay marriage is this. I don't think necessarily that. You know, sometimes you gotta be willing to take some shots. Hmm. And I'm uh, I'm okay with that, for the most part. <laughs> for the most part. Man, that sucks that I was on your birthday, though. Every year I'm doing something like that. Last year I was in Cleveland with uh, a couple of the guys in a hotel room by myself. I went all the way to Cleveland to pray with guys before the game. And my phone died after. Couldn't find anybody sitting in a hotel room in Cleveland last year. This year. Your birthday. Yeah. I'm glad we're going to wait a little while to put this out because I don't want to yeah. give anybody the credit of uh, thinking that we cared. We really didn't. Yeah, that's the tough thing is like, it's that the swine wants you to wrestle in the mud, you know? Like, the patronizing vibe of that day yesterday was what really got me. Like, and I honestly, when I say I'm proud of what God's done in my life, because I got through it, bro, but I almost, I mean, like, you could tell 22 year old kids, learn, learn the word, bro. Disgrace, coward. You, you should, I mean, just the, and I look at these profiles and I'm going, Stop looking at this. And I did. Everyone, though. Goatee, fat, Confederate flag, <laughs> pro-Trump. They're stupid. Literally. Yeah. It's, they're stupid. But who's stupid? The stupid guy or the smart guy fighting with the stupid guy? Right. That's the thing. And so for me, I just, that's why Brian's so awesome with that. He's been in the Twitter war with one of these guys all day on my behalf. Seriously? Yeah. I used to, dude, look at this timeline. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> it's embarrassing, but it's kind of rad. rad. But he he trusts he trusts us. He knows what we're what we're doing, and he's just like he's you know. There's no way we can take this much ground, though. You can go completely unscathed. Can't happen. And I got a book out the same week. It's like those people weren't buying it anyway. If they did, they wouldn't have any more vitriol. Yeah, it's true. Because the stuff in that book about my truth your truth this is what we believe I mean it's it's full on yeah but I'm not able to write that book if I hadn't played the long game like up until now right how was it writing a book awesome painful did uh, you have a ghostwriter? not a, you know that's a big deal right now right because I put it in the disclaimer no. you haven't seen any of the book yeah Brett dude okay I'm a third of the way into it and I know that you've said that you wrote it. The first disclaimer, I wrote this book, all of it. I know. That was I'm asking you for clarification. Okay, I was just making sure. This is because of the view. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about not a word. So I let the editor, I get yeah, the best yeah. editor in the game, yeah. right? And he's like, just let me, he took one sermon, transcribed it. I'm like, I'm sorry, brother. I don't feel like this is genuine. Yeah. Because that story that you wrote, you weren't there. Yeah. In the cadence. I was like, I'm just going to do it. And so they helped me, you know, here and there with grammar stuff like anybody. Yeah, yeah of course. No, and, and that's why it was so vulnerable. And I forget who told me. It was a really big time guy. He's like, oh, I know why you're stressed about your book. is because nobody to blame it on. Did Brian say anything to you after yesterday? No, he was like. Like as your pastor and you're speaking on behalf like, of our church. I love what you said. I know why you said it. If you want to say something to clarify it, I'll back you. You don't have to. Okay. I mean, he's a, he is the epitome of a protecting releaser. Well, I remember, like I mentioned at the beginning, like it was a few years ago, he said something at a press conference and he had to come back and clarify, Yeah, you know, because the, the press just took the vagueness of the reply. You know what I did? Mm-hmm. I went straight down to that reporter mm-hmm. and we are really good friends. I talk yes. with him. I put my money where my mouth is. I'll tell you what I mean by that. But so I see this guy in the front row and I didn't like the idea anyway. For the, it wasn't Brian's idea, but Brian will go with anything, you know. And I'm like, this is a bad idea. Sure enough, this sharp dude in the front row asked questions. I was like, that dude grew up in church. He's a genius. We're in trouble. So I kind of just somehow squeeze us out of that. I go up right after. How you doing? Where are you from? New York. I would just love phenomenal questions. Can we hang out sometime? Done. Forever. We were cool. And he's become one of the biggest behind-the-scenes you know, because he's part of the church clarity thing, all that. But he's my boy. So I, I met with him the other day and I said, this is exactly my premise. I said, can we meet? It's Monday morning. 
because I don't like our stance on homosexuality right now. It's filled with holes. It's not fair. It's not right. It's better than what we've had. But I don't, I'm not comfortable with it. And I've told the bishop a few times, like, we got we to gotta, we gotta have something because this isn't going to work. Thank you. And he, uh, and so I met with him and I said, here are my things. I want to know on three levels how you've accepted being a gay man. So number one, scripturally, show me what you've done with the scriptures that we both know about. Number two, culture, how that plays in. But number three, because we've known each other for five years and I know you love Jesus. How do you deal with the, with the conviction that this is right? Because if I strip it all away and it's me and you as boys, I don't know if I could sit here and go, yep, that boy growing up with two dads, it's totally God's will. I forget about political pastor correctness, like me and you, how do you resign that? And bro, for the next two hours, my jaw dropped. If we're not, if we don't come up with, he, he had really good answers. <laughs> but I was trying to do what I'm trying to get other people to do. Defense is down. Just yeah. let me hear you. I don't lose anything. But I walked away going, I still think I'm right. But that was good. That was Hillsong NYC Pastor Carl Lentz. You can check out his book, Own the Moment, which is out now. Hey, make sure to tune in to the show next week when my guest will be Rich Stearns, who's led the massive Christian humanitarian organization World Vision for the last 20 years. He's stepping down this month, and we have a fascinating conversation about all that's changed over the last two decades, as well as the challenges and opportunities ahead as he hands the baton to the next generation. Don't miss it. Hey, and if you like this episode of Unedited, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We have an incredible lineup of guests coming this season, and you won't want to miss an episode. Also, I'd love your help spreading word about the show. Rating and reviewing it on iTunes especially helps, as well as sharing it on social media. That said, I'm Cameron Strang. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Relevant Podcast Network.